Hi, Sam. Brilliant. <laughs> You're coming in like some kind of ephemeral spirit, actually, <laughs> which is exactly what we wanted you to do. You sound like you're at the far end of a tunnel. Can you, can you hear us? Oh, that's better. Brilliant. Hello, John. Hi, Joe. Hi. <laughs> I, I know that you were talking about trees a moment ago. <laughs> we're just chatting a bit about um, how almost stitched in, maybe, metaphor is to a, a way of understanding the world, even, even before we get to debates about reason and the vagaries of that. And so, how... Sorry, Sam. Yeah. Um, I, need, I need more volume. I can't actually hear what you're saying. Can you hear me now? That's better. We're just chatting a bit about how metaphor is perhaps stitched into how we see the world, even before we get to reason and non-reason and various other debates. And whether, that, in fact, that's made really explicit through things like poetry. I just, if you can hear me, I just wondered if you had a, a view on that and the place of metaphor. And a lot of your poems really bring things like myth right onto the sort of suburban doorsteps and make it something that's really realised for all people in the modern world. Yeah, um, I kind of cling to Hannah Arendt's um, statement that metaphor is the means by which the oneness of the world is poetically brought about. I think um, what happens is that we, the world, the, the sense of the world as continuum is something that we keep losing. And um, I think one of the things that art can do in general, and poetry perhaps in particular, is remind us of that oneness through metaphor. Right. And um, I, think, I think we can link that in with uh, ideas of what imagination is going back to the romantics. Um, I think what happens is that there's, some romantic poets are interested in um, the, the kind of imagination as fancy idea where um, it, seems like, it seems like a kind of personal enterprise. But I kind of prize Shelley, um, who's, who insists that imagination and, and, and the work of metaphor is a kind of socio, is a socio-political force, you know, the idea of poets as legislators. Um, can you just be and, and explicit that, about that, John? How, how can a work of imagination be a socio-political force? Well, um, I, I kind of see Shelley as a kind of precursor of people like the, the, the Situationists in 1968. And I remember, I, was, I think I was 13 in 1968, and I was excited by what was going on. And I remember that slogan, Imagination au pouvoir, the, the uh, imagination um, uh, should be a force in the world. And I've got the 13 year wondering, what does that mean? Um, and, and I think I've probably spent most of my reading time since trying to figure out an answer to that question. And it seems to me that um, if you take a kind of classic and, and a kind of Marxist or post-Marxist analysis, um, you've got three stages, which are not discrete. They all happen at the same time. Second, Sorry, can it, did anyone get that? Yeah, okay, fine. Everyone's got it. Can we hear me? Yeah, we're yeah. Um, you know, these, these three, three elements happen at the same time. You have the kind of classic idea of alienation from Marx, from, or from Hegel, um, alienation from the, the imaginative framework imposed upon you, and then the next stage is a kind of estrangement or refusal of that. And um, I think most of us achieve that, especially at the moment. I think we've all achieved it pretty much now. But the next step is, is imagining the alternatives, and I think um, what our job is, when we, when we reach that stage of alienation and refusal, 
is to imagine other ways of being happy, other ways of being successful, other ways of being healthy, other ways of being sane. And I think that's perhaps that's the one that interests me most, to Have imagine other you, ways. Do you think there are particular imaginative frameworks that have a dominance, perhaps, in Western society and culture? I mean, so particularly medicine. Is that an imaginative framework that is constrained or limited? Well, I think, I think you could broaden that out to science in general, medicine and other, and other scientific pursuits. I think sci scientific work is caught between commerce and, and, and politics, I guess you'd say, or ideology, perhaps. Um, and what happens is that um, too often, um, investigation, scientific investigation, research, is, is limited by a need to play those two uh, forces off um, from the actual pure research, the, the pure work. I mean, I think you can see that, for example, in, in, in uh, something that bothers me a lot, current en energy policy, where, um, you know, scientists are, are, are interested in, in, in what causes climate change or what the, what the possible predictions of climate change might be, um, but they're constantly having to um, pay for that research by, by dealing with politicians and the commercial forces. That means that they have to buy into a whole bunch of um, um, ideological positions that they may, they may feel uncomfortable with but have to live with. Um, I think that's probably true of, of people working in, in, in medicine too. Um, and I think the concept of, of sanity is one that I think is it's very dangerous and difficult to challenge it. But I think, um, you know, our current idea of what, what constitutes sanity, well, you just need to look around you and, and see that that's not really working, is it? So, John, so you're almost suggesting that the, um, the ideological frameworks and their political repercussions at, at, the, at, the, at the inception almost are part of an imaginative framework and, we, and greater consciousness of that kind of imaginative framework is quite important. Yeah, it's absolutely essential. I, mean, I, I think the first thing, I think the first part of that step of alienation and refusal is to see how much um, the, the structure, the, the commercial and, and capitalist, if you want to call it that, structures around us are, are dedicated to limiting our imagination, restricting the ways we imagine um, the possibilities of reality, right. restricting the ways we think of, of, of health and sanity and, and, and success. Um, the, the, the current model of success is, is, is hilarious if it weren't so tragic, um, and it, it's, it's still something that at some deep level, even sometimes when we rationally appreciate its, its flaws, at some deep level we're still wedded to. Right. Um, so I think the important thing is, is once we've recognized the, 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 the limitations imposed on us by the current uh, structures um, is to actually then venture forth imaginatively into all, all kinds of new areas. I mean, I think the surrealists who are, are basically romantic to the high fever said, you know, imagination, everything is possible to, everything should be possible to imagination. And I think that was, that, that's a view that's been criticized as, as being, you know, uh, leading to possible insanity. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's a bit like criticizing that as, as, as uh, in the same way as you said that say, rad desire for radical change means a desire for violence. Uh, the system that we currently have is a violent thing, not, not, the, rev not the kind of impulse of the revolution to change that. But, uh, and the same thing is, is we see the insanity of the current way in which we conduct our 
lives on a global level, and um, it seems highly sane to try and challenge that. That's that's very interesting indeed, to drawing the connections between the imagination and, and ideologies and therefore politics, which is perhaps a big theme for this weekend. John, I, I'm just slightly conscious someone from MI5 is tracking this conversation. And, uh, <laughs> we may, I may call this one to stop and listen to a couple of your poems here before we take some questions. Is that all right? Great. Thank you okay. so much for phoning in. Can, oh, sorry, John, I order, Joe, Joe just wanted to make a comment, actually. Yeah, yeah can I just pick up, pick up on two of these things? I, just to say I agree, but, but one of the things we were talking about before John came online was um, the idea that we are able to project imaginatively, individually forward into a future for ourselves, but perhaps what we can't do or we've lost the ability to do is, is to do that communally hmm. or politically as, as a group. And a great example of that is how we can't take on what our knowledge about climate change suggests. Mm. We, we, we are unable to do that, yet the results of that will be cataclysmic, and why can't we do that? Uh, perhaps it is because we aren't learning to project together mm. as a community forward into a future, imagine that future yes. as a communal future. And, and the other thing is about language and revolution, really, and, and I, again, I agree with John. I think um, what often happens and why poetry and other kinds of writing are important in that political context is not only because of the content of what they say but because there tends to be a kind of refreshment of language that dead metaphors are cleared out new kinds of analogy are made and, and there's a, a different kind of language for whatever is going to come to a, a shift in the, in yeah. the paradigm of imagination yeah. even right yes john i'm going to just say goodbye you may have disappeared already yeah. yeah, well, I just want to say here, here to what Joe just said. <laughs> Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. We have one of John's poems, actually, that he recorded last night um, online. It's the one about um, ageing. If we got that at the back, can we play that? Um, Colin? First Signs of Ageing. Being was never my forte. Cold red wine and glimmer of herd instinct bearing me into a night that any fool could travel if he chose. I much prefer the moment's absence, like the scent of tulips in the hall and women calling softly from one landing to the next a moment since. I never understood what they were saying, but something they love is retrieved from the huddle of knowing again and again, justice of should have been in place of what never was. I think of them now as sisters, as I think each footfall is a mirror where I keep the secret I never told, a childhood game persisting on the cold side of a way, and should have been a house I know the way a blind man knows the house he lives in, blind from birth and every room laid out for none to see in steps and echoes. I mean, it's interesting, you're, you're, both of you, your comments on a failure of the imagination, perhaps, and then the, the communal repercussions of that, because, the, the, you know, the 9-11 Commission, one of their closing remarks on that was that these events arose because of a shared failure of imagination. 
and almost invoking imaginative frameworks um, in approaching contemporary problems, pressing problems. It, it, it's interesting, um, John quoted Shelley, and we've, we've talked about Keats, mm. a, a, another romantic poet, and, and you know, 